This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hi, welcome to the I Am A Kingdom Influencer radio broadcast. I am your host, Elder Corlette James, and I am so happy to be able to connect with you in the airwaves on today. Now sit back, buckle up, and let's meet today's influencers. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the I Am a Kingdom Influencer podcast. We are so, so grateful to have you join in with us today. And we have a young lady that is going to share some things with us today that will absolutely positively influence your life and leave a lasting impact. She is none other than Charmaine Hammond. She has written five books. She deals with communication, collaboration, building, uh, resilient teams, teams that will bounce back, right? Yes, resilient yes. teams and conflict management. Welcome to the show, Charmaine. Thank you. I'm so delighted to be here today. This will be a great conversation. <laughs> I believe so. I believe so. So tell me a little bit about your communication collaboration, because I have found in, in the, especially in the C-suite world, everybody just does not communicate correctly and to collaborate with one another seems to be an in, insurmountable task sometimes to get the collaboration going so so enlighten us some well you know my interest in communication actually started many years ago in my very first career when i was a correctional officer in a jail system so you can imagine how vital communication was and Absolutely. i learned <laughs> So many things of what not to do. <laughs> yes. And that inspired me to actually go back to school and get trained as a mediator and to be able to facilitate conversations where leaders, managers, company owners are were struggling in communication. Mm. And often the miscommunication would lead to conflict, which would lead to a whole bunch of other really serious situations right, in the workplace. Right. And I think one of the biggest challenges, we have some dynamics now in our workplace that we didn't have 10 years ago. Like we have remote teams and mm -hmm. mobile teams. Mm -hmm. We have virtual meetings now. We communicate with text, which I never recommend. And <laughs> certainly not to resolve conflict. But we mm -hmm. communicate in these ways that um, are supposed to be easier and quicker. Mm -hmm. And they often result in so much frustration having to go back and fix things and clarify mm -hmm. intent. Mm -hmm. And when you're, I, I think the other piece that's important to mention is now more than ever, teams are being challenged to collaborate mm -hmm. you know, across departments, within departments, mm -hmm. and not everybody is great at collaboration. That's not everybody's skill set. Very true. <laughs> some people are more competitive in nature and some people like to work on their own. Mm -hmm. So companies now, I think, are really seeing the need to invest in training to help people learn how to collaborate better. And when you combine communication and collaboration, you've got a great mix for positive outcomes. 
Now, you, you just mix, mentioned something that is really, really key, especially in the corporate world, and that's that competitiveness. Everybody is trying to have the competitive edge. They're trying to be one up on the next one because they're vying for um, that corporate ladder and getting that next promotion. How do you quench that um, and at the same time not break the spirit of acceleration in the office setting? I love that question because you've captured something really critical. You don't want to lose uh, people's desire to move up in the organization. Right. And any company wants people to grow with the company, mm -hmm. not train them up so they leave and go somewhere else. Absolutely. We, we want to maintain that because it's good business. Uh, at the same time, we want to be able to curb some of that, um, the more destructive competitiveness, I'll call right. it. And part of, part of what I discovered through doing lots of mediations within workplaces was that when you can help people understand the, the contribution that their role and that them as a professional makes to the bigger picture, mm. that really helps because they see that they're not the whole answer for the company. Right. Right. They're a piece of a really important answer for the company. And when they can see how their skill set and somebody else's skill set, when they come together, mm -hmm. really great things happen. It can sometimes curb some of that, that competitiveness that becomes destructive. More like there's no island right, <laughs> in, right. in the team. You know, everybody, if you bring your portion and I bring my portion as a whole, we all succeed. Exactly, exactly. Awesome, yeah. awesome. So in the building of the resilient teams, obviously collaboration is the center portion of it because it's a team. Um, yeah. I had a, my ex-boss used to say all the time, teamwork makes the dream work. So yeah. <laughs> um, and it, it was like, you know, we had to work together because yeah. of the monumental um, outcome of the different events and things that we were putting on. But how do you actually build your team to be resilient so that when something happens, because when I think of resiliency, I think of, as I said in the beginning, that bounce back um, ability because you get knocked down sometimes and okay. every idea doesn't work, but yeah. you know, to not do the place the blame game. Well, I did my part, they didn't do theirs or whatever. How do you build that resilience in the yeah. team? One of the one of the activities I love for teams to do, and, and this can happen through uh, HR professionals or leaders facilitating this, having somebody from another department come in, but to create a team charter. And a team charter is different than your company policies or your um, collective agreement if you're in a unionized environment. The team charter is a working agreement developed with the team, for the team, by the team, that really spells out how we're going to work better together. Okay. And it talk, it, it's I just love the process. I've facilitated so many of these for my corporate clients. And what happens um, all the time, and I can't even tell you at what point this happens, but what happens is as the team starts to talk about what matters to them and how they're going to work together through tough times, through good times, some of the issues that have been getting in the way pop up. But they pop up not in a way that it's the name, you had described it great earlier when you said that, you know, the blaming that goes on. Mm -hmm. um, they talk about it more from the perspective of a problem to be solved versus uh, people that are creating problems. Mm -hmm. And so a team charter 
can be uh, a facilitated agreement that gets written down. The team helps build it. One of my corporate clients, they were a, a municipal government in Canada, and they created the team charter. It took us about a day and a half because they had a lot of issues mm -hmm. <laughs> that kept popping up right. that had never been solved. And every time we moved to a different part of the team charter, for example, we were talking about communication, it brought up a whole grocery list. I can only imagine. Right. And, and a lot of unresolved stuff, right? And then when we started talking about building resilience in the team, same thing. There was a little bit of blaming that happened and a little bit of storytelling, but they worked through it. What they created was a document, it was about two pages, that spelled out the key points of how they're going to work together. But what was really cool is one of the team members was a, an artist, and she actually took the agreement, created this beautiful framed piece of art, and all the staff signed it. Hmm. And the art had all the words from their agreement they made together. Oh, I love it. Seven years later, it's still in the office. Wow. Many of them have gone. Many new ones have come forward and yeah. it's still being signed. And so it's a living, breathing document hmm. around how we're going to work together mm -hmm. and how we're going to be resilient. So there's exercises like that. The, the one thing I do see, and you probably see this a lot in your work too, is often companies will call you to come in and help with issues or building teams when the team is falling apart, when they're in the middle of a crisis. They, they don't call until then. <laughs> <laughs> right. And that, you know, that we, we can obviously help people through those challenges, but I think one of the best times to, ra to help raise teamwork and resilience is when the team is doing well, right. when problems are not clouding everything. And so right. building that into your ongoing training and, uh, it, planning around your team is really essential. That's phenomenal. I had never heard of that or even thought about that. I love it. <laughs> and I'm sure that ties into the conflict management because if you're pulling everybody together and everybody feels that they have a say-so in what is being done, yeah. um, I'm sure it, it goes a long ways. Oh, you got it. You know, one of the things that I hear all the time when I've done these team charters and, and training with companies is they'll t we'll have people in the team who will talk about you know, well, I didn't appreciate you going behind my back and telling HR, or I didn't appreciate you going to the union, or I didn't appreciate. So there, there's often a tendency in conflict for people to go around the person they have conflict with, which right. creates a whole other dynamic. And with a team charter, this particular team I was sharing with you, one of the best things they did in their team charter was they created an agreement of what to expect from each other if a conflict occurred and they all agreed, even though they have a policy that says that you'll go mm -hmm. to the person who the mm -hmm. conflict involves, mm -hmm. that's a policy and it's written in policy language. Their team charter was worded like something to this effect. Um, because we value our relationship with each other in our team and trust is one of our most important guiding pillars, we have agreed as a team that if we have issues, concerns, or feedback, we'll share it with the person it involves before going to a colleague, a team member, or our leader. And then, of course, the caveat, unless, of course, it involves safety or, you right. know, the company right. is something terrible will happen. Right. And because those, that language is written a lot different than their policy. Mm -hmm. And they abide it, you know, they, they champion that because I remember getting a call from one of the colleagues was saying, we need to add gossip into our team charter and 
speaking. I don't think you do. Maybe reducing gossip. Right, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> but what was happening was there was the team did not know how to deal with gossip. So one unhappy mm -hmm. colleague would go to another unhappy colleague mm -hmm. and gossip. And then the, the manager, the company owner, the leader is now having to deal with this sort of mess that's been created. So what they did is they created an agreement that if someone was to come with them with gossip, they would, and they actually created a script of what they could say. And it sounded something like, um, have you talked to so-and-so first? And of course, mostly it's no. Right. Great. Well, I'd be happy to talk with you both together after you've had the conversation. Well, no one ever comes back. Right, right. Because they don't go to the other person 90% right. of the time. <laughs> exactly. But it really sort of, it, it allowed them, the, the challenge for them was they didn't know how to get out of it mm -hmm. without hurting a relationship. And so... Right. They would think, of course, if I just listen, I'm not really participating, but you are. Mm -hmm. and, That's true. And the rumor mill continues. So, right. and right. leaders and company owners and CEOs loved that because it removed them from dealing with conflict and communication that they didn't even need to be involved with. It did not Absolutely. need to get to that level. You know, I, I have found, and part of my platform of kingdom influence is that people need to be valued. You yeah. know, and they need to feel that they're valued. Um, one of my key things is a simple hello goes so far. A hello with a smile to say, I recognize that you are in my sphere. You exist. Okay. And so I'm going to acknowledge that you exist. So that hello, you know, goes a long way. Yes. Um, and I can only imagine in sitting down with a group of people and saying to one another, okay, you, it, you, you, I value you. I value you as my coworker. I value you as a human being. So therefore, because I value you, then I will not dishonor that trust factor of working together by betraying your trust basically so I, I love that beautifully said i i i, I want to just spell how important that is a lot of times when i was mediating years and years ago that was where a simple communication would go off track be simply because somebody did not feel heard or valued hmm. and then you know the conflict would just grow and grow and take on this ugly new um you know it would it would become something so large and it would pull people in that weren't even involved. And when we sort of went through the conflict working backwards, mm -hmm. often it ended up that people just never felt heard or valued. Mm. And that is preventable. You know, yes. we, can, we can prevent that by simply doing what you said, acknowledge people. Right. right. That's awesome. That is awesome. So, um, what are some little, okay, so we've got the charter, which is really good. Um, what are some other tips that CEOs can utilize in their companies for that collaboration piece, that working together? Well, I, one of the things I love to see CEOs do is communicate in a way that I call cascading messages. Mm -hmm. CEOs have a really important job. They're the, the holders of the company vision and and they're championing this vision and getting the teams involved so when a ceo can communicate maybe through an all-staff meeting and then communicate by a follow-up email followed okay. by maybe some minutes maybe a text to people or mm -hmm. one of my clients it was actually um um i can't remember what industry they were in fairly large size company and a government client did the same thing every monday they actually had a message from the ceo 
on the voicemail. So people, the whole entire, I think there was 1,200 employees. Oh my goodness. They would come in on Monday and it was an all employee voicemail, some technology that allows you to put it on mm -hmm. everybody's voicemail. Mm -hmm. But it was a message for the week, an intention for the week. And he, every single Monday, he recognized somebody from the team. And it was not for mm -hmm. things like, you know, they landed that contract. It was for the small things that matter. Wow. Like somebody, you know, somebody's car wouldn't start in the parking lot. And one of our staff went out and helped wow. them. Wow. Those kind of things that show the heart of a company. And mm -hmm. that example has stayed with me for so long. I've got to imagine that the morale in that company was through the roof. Seriously. Yeah. And it wasn't initially, it took a lot of work and that, that wow. what, what made the difference was the CEO, um, communicating regularly and with a unified message and communicating in different ways because sometimes people would come in and they'd start to hear the message and they get distracted on email and not hear the message, but they'd see it in the, in the staff meeting minutes or mm -hmm. in the, you know, the, the social mm -hmm. posts that they put in their internal group. Mm -hmm. The other piece that I think CEOs can do is be very uh, careful about the languaging in communication because mm -hmm. often it's the language uh, people read their own intent. You see this all the time in the work you do. Absolutely I'm sure. truth. Yes. <laughs> and when they don't have answers, people make it up, and I'm and I'm they they make assumptions. Mm -hmm. And so the 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 more clarity that that CEO can bring to the message, the more gossip that is reduced. The more um, we have decisions that were made that were not congruent with the company right. uh, in terms of values, we, we kind of eliminate all of those. Mm, when we speak I with love that. that. That is, that's good stuff. <laughs> that's really good stuff. Well, we're, we're going to kind of segue away from that a little bit now. And I want to talk about your five books because, mm. you know, um, that's no small feat. <laughs> I'm on book three. So, yeah. <laughs> you know how much work goes into that. Yeah. That's no small feat. I know you have one that's really near and dear to your heart on Toby's terms. So yeah. tell us about that. Well, interestingly enough, it's a book that has nothing to do with business and everything to do with business. So Toby is my dog. And this is a story about a dog who taught me how to become a better person as Aww. an individual and also as a professional. And okay. just the, the, the back story is we adopted a dog um, who was a senior dog. Well, he was six, so he was getting up there. And he came to us with all kinds of behavioral issues. And we didn't know how severe these issues were. And I remember thinking one day, I said to my husband, oh my gosh, dealing with him, this dog, is like dealing with the most difficult employee I've ever dealt with in my life. Oh my I'm goodness. Frustration and angst and helplessness. And so we ended up having to get a dog therapist. Oh my gosh. Behaviorist <laughs> to come in. <laughs> Didn't even know there was such a thing. My daughter tells me every day my dog needs one. <laughs> okay, well I can make a great referral. <laughs> so, so her name was Maggie and she came in and uh, sort of observed Toby in our home and what she discovered, and I'm just loving the background behind you because she discovered exactly what your background behind you says. He was a dog who needed a job and a purpose. Um, and so he, so, and you talk about purpose and passion. Yeah. And so this was a dog that was bored. He wasn't being you know, challenged. 
and he became a therapy dog at a hospital, which mean, meant I had to go volunteer with him. I couldn't. <laughs> As Toby goes, so goes your yeah, exactly. <laughs> And you know, the big learning is it brought me right back to what we're talking about today is communication. I had to learn how to communicate with this dog in a way that I had never. And so that book, um, he taught me lessons of purpose and passion. He taught me lessons of taking way more time out of my day to play, to okay. do things that were not related all the time to work. And at the CEO level, my goodness, some people spend so much time yes. in their work and their business, and it really impacts resilience. I, I, <laughs> okay, so um, I'm going to take to heart what you just said, <laughs> <laughs> because I am somewhat of a workaholic, and I get really I entrenched in what I'm doing, and then my dog will come and be pawing at my leg, and, and I'm like, do you need to go out? What is it? <laughs> He's just saying, stop working. And that's exactly it. She wants to play. Right, exactly. <laughs> like, throw my toy. Let me go chase this stuff. <laughs> Pay attention to me. I, I, you know, you said Toby was like um, an employee. Mine, I liken to a child, a very yes. needy child. Yeah. She is, she is um, almost six. <laughs> She'll be uh. six in May. Um, and she's a toy poodle who believes that she's a human. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> so um you know that you just gave me a little therapy lesson to like okay breathe quietly yes. play with the dog for five minutes and then come back to and you know it, it does that time away from our computer my dog does that all the time he and i think they sense something in us they either sense yeah frustration or fatigue or yes, boredom, whatever it is that's going on. And then they come to save us from that. <laughs> but we yeah, often don't but listen. I don't quite always look at it as being saved. Just like, no. <laughs> like, what? I was just in the middle of something really important. Exactly. What? <laughs> she will actually, she'll want to lay in my lap while I'm working. But, oh. and, and it's like one thing to lay in my lap, that's fine, because I can still type. No, right. no, 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 no. No, I need to put my head on your arm. <laughs> stop your fingers from touching the keyboard. She's you know, you very need to know smart. I'm here. I can't just idly yeah. lay in your lap. Let me put my head on your arm. <laughs> what a smart dog. She's got you oh figured out, too. She is amazing she oh. really really is i've had her since she was eight weeks old she actually was wow. two pounds and two ounces when i got her you know she fit in my head literally tiny um, she is now eight pounds and just oh. you know but omg she is like woof. <laughs> so, oh. so that's why i'm like she and she, i she's like emotional it's yeah. like you know I, I have also my great grandbaby here at my house right and you know if i have him in my lap she's got to be on the other side oh, and yeah. it's like oh no 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 you belong to me yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness oh, my aren't God. they wonderful <laughs> oh. she is my first small dog i've always had larger dogs they were out in the backyard they would come yep. in for a minute <laughs> Very, very needy, and I was not used to that. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! But she's taught me well. Yeah, <laughs> five years. Training she's, him. Yep, she's trained me well. <laughs> 
Uh, they so tell are us a amazing. little bit about your other books. My other, I have another one called GPS, Your Best Life. And I wrote that uh, with a friend, Deborah Kozowski. And that book is really about looking at your values, your goals in life, and figuring out how to chart the destination to get there. Okay. And then I wrote two books about my dog for children. So those were actually much shorter to complete than a big book like the one you're working on. But they were probably fun. They were so fun. And they, they are so special to me because my best friend of many, many, many years, we met when we were five. She's the artist, Roseanne oh, Prevec, for the, for the uh, book. So they're really a work of love and friendship. And then the other one I wrote was about uh, resilience and it's called Bounce Forward. So I actually changed the definition of resilience okay. and I called it Bounce Forward. Awesome. Um, yeah. Awesome. And tell us a little bit how you bounce forward. Well, you know, I had a near-death sailboat accident and I had been teaching conflict resolution and resilience for many years. And as I was swimming to get to shore, not sure if I was going to make it, I, I discovered that Every time I started thinking negative thoughts or even thoughts that had no hope, you know, worry thoughts, Mm -hmm. my physical ability to swim deteriorated. Like I just Mm. felt like I just couldn't even get my arms going. And I thought, wow, you know, I teach this and I don't think I really got how important how we think about things shapes the outcomes Mm -hmm. and and our actions. Mm -hmm. And when I got back onto shore, I was talking about this accident to people, the sailboat accident, and everything ended up being okay. We were all okay. But I remember thinking that I don't want to ever bounce back to that feeling of fear Mm. or not being in control of something, Mm -hmm. not being able to fix something, not knowing what will happen. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, I wonder if if resilience is more about the ability to bounce forward in times Mm -hmm. of crisis, challenge, change, and adversity. Because as you said in the introduction, stuff happens, you know, life happens. And we have tough things to deal with all the time. CEOs have really tough things to deal with. Yes. really big decisions that impact other people's lives positively and sometimes not. Mm-hmm. So they're wrestling with tough stuff all the day, all the time. Maybe resilience is about taking a step forward, even in those times when we don't know what the answer is going to be, but absolutely some kind of step forward to absolutely. make a difference and you know learning from it. Yes. What is profound is how the mind controlled your physical ability. Blew me away. Honestly, mm-hmm. it, I, I remember, you know, being in the lake and swimming and thinking, why am I just, I, uh, it's tiring and exhausting mm-hmm. to swim in a life jacket. And mm-hmm. we've been swimming for about four hours by this time. And, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and then I remember at one point, I just remember thinking, who's going to take care of the dog? Mm-hmm. When did I call my mom and dad last? Mm-hmm. And, and I remember putting my arm out to swim and nothing happened. And I thought, come on arm. Like <laughs> I was having to tell it what to do. <laughs> and then when I started thinking it's getting close to the time, I've got to take the dog out for a walk and I'm going to call my mom and dad when I get back. And I, you know, I'm going to look at things that are important mm-hmm. to me and enjoy them. And then all of a sudden my physical strength was there. That's amazing. There's a a young lady, I believe she's in the UK. I remember her first name is Debbie. I don't remember her last name, but she actually um, rowed in a boat for, I think it was like 180 days by herself. Well, two, like it was supposed to, it was like, it was a few boats, maybe six, seven boats that started off and they were 
going from the UK to, I don't remember if it was Barbados, Jamaica, some, but it was somewhere out there in the Caribbean. And um, two weeks in, her husband just developed such a phobia of being out there in the open sea um, that he couldn't do it. He couldn't oh. do it. And so, and, and the, the um, amazing thing was that she had never rowed professionally. Her husband was a, a, a rowing um, competitor. He had been in several races and all of that. Um, but she had, you know, it, it was, she had never done it. And she made the decision when the rescue boat and the team came to get him that she wanted to try to finish. She had no idea how long it was going to oh take. Oh my her. gosh. And, I can't um, imagine that. And everybody gave up but her. Right. Okay. Um, 180 days, <clears throat> excuse me, out here on the open sea. I think she said she went through like two hurricanes. Um, and, and it was just, I mean, her story is phenomenal. It, it wow. is unbelievable. I sat there listening to this woman with just like in awe. But yeah. one of the things she said was when she would just get to, I can't do this. I, it's just like, you know, she was out there all mm -hmm. alone. Um, and what got her through was the vision of when she got to the island she was going to, exactly. seeing her husband, seeing her mom, what you said. Yeah. She could smell her mom. She said yeah. that wow. her mother wore the same cologne for years and years and years, or perfume for years and years and years and years. And she would literally get a whiff and could smell her mother's perfume. Mm. And it would help her to envision what it would be like when she made it. Not if she made it, but when. when she made it yes and that propelled her to keep going she said she did there was two times she called and said she wanted to stop she oh. has a twin sister she called her twin sister because she had like the air satellite phone right. right and she called her twin sister and said i can't do this she said yes you can you come too far now to quit so just keep going and hung up <laughs> <laughs> she was just like what was that <laughs> and then she had a team that was on shore as well that she could um, call. She called the team one day and it was close to Christmas. And she said, I just don't think I can finish this. And they, wow. they spurred her on and said, yes, you can. And they literally had a Christmas care package brought to her and drop shipped to her oh. out there in the middle of the ocean. She said it was by far the best Christmas she ever had in her life. I can and imagine. that someone cared that much about her. Yes. You know, they sent like a small toy Christmas tree. They sent yes. gifts. They sent all of this stuff, Christmas wow. music that she could listen to, to help her mindset to finish. And she finished. Wow. That's incredible. I mean, I, I love that story. I was getting goosebumps the whole time you're sharing that with yeah. me. Yeah, I was like that too. I'm serious. I was just sitting going, like, you know, like you're on the edge of your seat going, oh, oh my God. Yeah. Well, and just the endurance and the resilience. And it's a great story of what we think about and how we frame something in our head shapes mm -hmm. absolutely everything. It shapes everything. how, as a CEO, we show up in life, yep. how we communicate, how we resolve conflicts, mm -hmm. how we set direction. And when CEOs can really, carefully choose their language in their mind as well as verbally mm -hmm. it can it can be all the difference in the world in the outcomes absolutely Charmaine I have so enjoyed our time together Me as you can too. hear a little timers going off 
um, 30 minutes went by really, really quick, but you thank had you. some invaluable wisdom to impart. So thank you so, thank so, you very so much. much. And we'll have to do this again. Absolutely. We'd yeah, love that. Great. Well, I thank all of you for tuning in and to listening on today. And I'm sure that you have received some nuggets and some impartation of wisdom that will help you in, in furthering your company and or in being even a better employee to a company. Um, just thinking about valuing your coworkers in the way that Charmaine has presented today, I think is phenomenal. So definitely, Charmaine, thank you for being a kingdom influencer because you are definitely one of those i appreciate that and as always as i close out the show and we talked about it briefly during the show make sure that you value the people that are around you if nothing else a smile and a hello goes a long long way have a great day Thank you for joining me for this edition of I Am a Kingdom Influencer. And remember, you have the ability to impact the lives of all those you come in contact with. You are a Kingdom Influencer. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>